Welcome to You Still, a podcast hosted by me, Ella Delancey-Jones. We talk about motherhood, the absolute elation and the surprises, as well as attempting to bridge the gap between who we were before we had our children and who we are now. Don't forget to follow at You Still Podcast on Instagram and Twitter so you don't miss a thing. It's lovely to have you here. Welcome back to another episode of You Still. Thank you for coming back if you are coming back and if you're new, welcome. I'm really excited about today's episode. Something that I was not prepared for when I had Polly was the guilt that I would feel all the time. It's something that I've really struggled with actually and even nearly nine months on, it's something that I'm still dealing with. So for me, it manifests itself in things like when I go out without her or when I'm leaving her with a different caregiver and sometimes even things like if I feel like I've been a little bit lazy that day with playing with her and being there for her. You know, if I'm really, really tired and she wants, I'm a bit like, okay, you can play by yourself. Come on, just do some independent play. And I'm not really, really engaged with her for a few hours. I'm just a bit like, oh God, I feel so guilty. We are actually going to New York for our honeymoon in November. And I'm already feeling a lot of anxiety around that and guilt, even though I, I know that she probably won't remember. And I know that she'll be well looked after. And I know that she'll be absolutely fine, but I just can't shake that guilt and now I've got my head screwed on a bit better post newborn bubble and I'm kind of starting to come back to myself a little bit I was trying to think about what is it that's making me feel so guilty why do I feel this guilt because I said to Will the other day like he went to Newcastle the other week for work and I said to him you don't feel guilty do you like when you go off and do your work and you leave us at home for hours or days you don't feel guilty and he said no and I don't think that that's you know a reflection on the kind of person he is I think that's just the way that the system has set him up well not just him but fathers in general and so why do I feel guilty I know obviously at the moment I'm still breastfeeding Polly so and she won't take any milk from anybody else so obviously there's that element as well but at the core of it why do I feel so guilty to leave my baby so I asked this guest to come on the the podcast and I was over the moon when she said yes her name is Dr Sophie Brock she is a motherhood studies sociologist and a mother herself living down under in Sydney. Uh, She provides analysis of motherhood in our culture, exploring the ways individual experiences of mothers are shaped by broader social constructs. She supports professionals, business owners and creatives in revolutionising what motherhood means in our society and how mothers are supported and understood. Sophie's offerings include self-study courses for mothers and practitioners, her podcast The Good Enough Mother and her Motherhood Studies Practitioner Certification Programme. I cannot wait to see how this plays out. Hello Dr Sophie, thank you so much for coming on to an episode of You Still. Thank you for having me Ella, I'm looking forward to it. I was just saying before we started recording that I had come across Sophie on the Motherkind podcast and she was someone that I really wanted to come on so I'm really really grateful. Yeah thank you for having me and I love that we're able to connect in this way internationally right like it doesn't matter where in the world we are we can jump on a Zoom call and have these conversations. I know the wonders of the modern world so at the time of recording it's just gone noon in London and where Sophie is it is you say nine o'clock didn't you that's right yeah p.m So it would be really great to just have a quick overview of the work that you are doing, the work that you're carrying out with mothers and those who work with mothers. Kind of what's your mission? What are your goals? And what drives you to do the work that you do? Yeah, sure. Well, I'm a motherhood studies sociologist. And so what that actually means, breaking it down, is I'm a social scientist. So I look at and I'm interested in how our social world works, how individuals within our society operate within a society and what 
what sort of things influence us and how we as individuals influence our social world. So I'm curious about that when it comes to mothers and motherhood specifically. So I look at, okay, well, what does it mean to be a mother in our society and culture? What is the experience of being a mother in our society and culture and what sorts of different things impact that? So part of the work that I do is building off work that maternal scholars have been doing for decades, which is looking at the institution of motherhood. And what I mean by that when saying institution is looking at the ways that motherhood is constructed to be a particular thing in our society and culture, particularly within the Western world, although you know globally this is relevant in different ways. And it's looking at all of the ways that actually it can be really challenging to be a mother in today's society and what are those challenges and how can we start to move through some of those challenges to have better support systems in place for mothers today. I think it's so interesting, the work that you do. I think when I was pregnant, the idea of how I was going to be as a mother and what motherhood was going to be like is actually so different to the reality of what my life is actually like as a mother. Yeah, and that's the thing that that we're kind of born as a mother multiple times, right? And this comes from psychoanalytic work looking at, well, we kind of are birthed in our own minds when we imagine what it might be like to become a mother and then we become pregnant and we think about, okay, well, what will I be like as a mother? And then we go through the birth itself and then we actually enter into what our motherhood actually is. And that is oftentimes really different to what we imagined it to be. And there's often a gap there. And that is because of a whole bunch of factors, including the one that I focus on, which is our social and cultural context. Yeah. I mean, can we talk about that? So what, what does that, what does that look like? Yeah. So an analogy that I use to help describe this and make it a little bit more tangible, because when we're talking about something that exists socially and culturally, it can be hard because we're kind of swimming within it. So the analogy that I talk about is the fish tank of motherhood model. So for everybody to sort of imagine a round glass fish tank, and that is representative of our society. So that's the world that we're living in our social world and the mothers inside where the fish within the tank and then we carry out our mothering we engage in our mothering and that's the swimming like we're swimming around within this tank and we oftentimes don't know we're within the tank but written up on the walls of the tank all around us we can see a whole bunch of rules around what it means to be a mother to be a perfect mother to be a good mother and there are a whole bunch of rules here which you know I can start rattling some off and I'm sure are really familiar to you and to other listeners that you know the perfect mother she is selfless she always puts her baby first. She is transformed through motherhood. It comes naturally to her and intuitively. She is glowing as a new mother and she kind of lands on her feet and she was meant to be this way and she bounces back. You know, her postpartum recovery, she focuses on getting her body back and things come easily to her, right? So she has her baby on a schedule or breastfeeding comes really naturally and easily and she doesn't breastfeed for too long though and she's not too young of a mother. She's not too old for mother. She's likely married in a long-term relationship. She, you know, I could kind of go on and on and on and on. There's a whole bunch of parameters actually around what we have as a cultural expectation on who the perfect mother is. And we internalize them from the time where children ourselves, the image of who the perfect mother is, who the ideal mother is. And so when you mentioned kind of the expectations that you had before you became a mother and then the reality of what it is like to be a mother, there can be this mismatch almost because we're like, hang on a second, the way that this was set up in my mind, in my imagination, by those around me, by my culture, I wasn't prepared for this. Why didn't I know about this? Why why wasn't this spoken about? And, and we can actually take it on um, as a personal failing that we just aren't good enough. Maybe we weren't meant to be a mother. Maybe 
maybe we just need to try harder, do more. So the fish tank analogy is really a way to try and put some descriptors around the cultural environment we live within. And we get these messages through our advertising. Social media now is a big one. Uh, We get it through messaging from our family, our community, our friends, your partners, from television shows, culture, media. We're kind of swimming within this world that has certain ideas around motherhood and, and we take it on oftentimes unknowingly. Something you mentioned there about getting our bodies back. I think that's something I really struggle with. I think there's still like an expectation of that that's been put on us. I think it's getting a little bit better now with some body positivity, but I always find it so fascinating that the joy and expectation and happiness that comes with a growing baby bump. And then as soon as the babies arrive, it's like the expectation that you would get back to normal, inverted commas, as soon as you can. Yeah, well, I mean, there is no going back ultimately because we're changed and transformed through our experience of becoming a mother, you know, our, our bodies. And I mean, look, I think this goes beyond motherhood as well to a general regulation of women's bodies that we are expected to fit within a certain normative ideal of what beauty means and what the woman should look like. And that's just intensified when it comes to mothering and the experience of being a mother and and you mentioned their competition. I think that is a big part of it, a sense of comparatively looking at how mothers look physically after they've given birth. And it's another way, ultimately, it's not actually got anything to do with women's bodies. It's got to do with power and control because it's a way to try and regulate and should and shame women. And that's part of how the broader system of patriarchal motherhood operates. It's a key part of it. So I think this is why having conversations starting to open up some of these realizations and reflections can be useful because we can start to see how they're playing out within our own lives. And that gives us then a little bit of an opening to start pushing back and challenging the expectations we've taken on. I mean, this is exactly why this is perfect for this podcast, exactly why I wanted to start it and feel like you can can never talk about it enough. Something you touched upon a minute ago was you said about fulfillment and just a personal bit from me. So I always wanted to be a mom. I always said if I hadn't had the chances that I'd had, if I hadn't had the career that I'd had, I would have had like five kids by now and I would, you know, I would just have children. I always thought I'd get to a point in my life where I had my child and then I would feel fulfilled. And when I had Polly she is just beautiful she's amazing and she does fulfill me but something that I wasn't counting on was needing to be fulfilled in other ways I didn't realize I thought I would have my child and then I would feel complete when time has gone by now we're coming out of the newborn bubble and I'm starting to feel a bit more myself again I'm really seeking out like creative projects like this one I really want to focus on my social life I want to reconnect with my husband and that is leaving me feeling very guilty because especially if you're seeing things on social media the words that people use especially when they talk about their children is that there is the sense of fulfillment that comes with having children and I sometimes feel guilty that I don't feel more fulfilled from having her can we talk about mother's guilt there's so I have so much of it all the time where does it come from why do we have it and can we ease it yeah so I think it's important to contextualize this conversation with some understanding of child development and the mother-child diet and relationship and attachment because when we first have our babies there's this there is often and not always, but there can be a level of infatuation, a level of building relationship with this new person, coming to know them. And there's a whole bunch of kind of chemical, hormonal, physiological changes that often, but not always go on in a mother's body and brain that wire us to be in attunement and connection with our babies. And so very early on, it is really, really normal and often important to be able to have almost that level of 
uh, obsession, if you will. And it doesn't necessarily always look like fulfillment either for women. Sometimes they can be feeling quite empty or unfulfilled or love can take time to grow. And so attachment and um, relationships can look all different ways. And, and that's why, you know, we encourage people to go and seek the support of a psychologist or other healthcare professional if they're experiencing some challenge in those early phases. But there's a work by a famous pediatrician and psychoanalyst, Donald Winnicott, and his theory called The Good Enough Mother, and that's what my podcast is named after, talks about how actually there's a really important stage of development with our children, with our babies, where we actually need to break out of that level of um, infatuation or uh, orientation with our children. And that's an important stage in not only our development as mothers, but in our children's development as babies. And so there's something actually actually called the too good mother in some of this literature where we say, actually, if the mother doesn't in some way step away and not saying remove herself from her child, although sometimes it can look like that with distance, but actually if we don't kind of step back a little bit and allow our child a little bit of their own space, a little bit of their own capacity to try things, to stand and fall and give things a go and fail and, and look to other care providers, then that can actually be almost an obstacle in the way of their development. So I suppose I just, I mean, that's not my area of specialty or expertise, but kind of just pointing at that, I think is important in setting up for what we'll talk about when it comes to guilt, because there's this understanding and this presumption, which is not evidence-based that in order to be a good mother, our children do need to be the center of our universe, provide us fulfillment. They need to be our everything. And we shouldn't want to seek anything in life outside of being their mother. And that's that's not evidence-based. That's part of the perfect mother myth. That's part of a certain cultural expectation that is set up to, as a part of patriarchal motherhood, to keep women feeling as though they're constantly failing. Because actually, we will all know as mothers, when you try and be your everything for your child, when you try and make your child the center of everything, when you try and put a condition on your relationship that you will be completely fulfilled, lit up, content, joy-filled and grateful and cherishing every single minute of motherhood, you can't do that because you're a human being. You will inevitably not feel that way. There will be moments where you do feel apathy, boredom, anger, frustration, impatience, like you want to be away from your baby. I mean, that's all just part of a normal trajectory of human emotions and relationship. But for some reason, patriarchal motherhood, when it comes to mothers, we expect them not to be human, right? And we have language around this of the super mom, the superwoman, the superhuman. We're not actually allowing her to be human. And so where it's really useful to think about Winnicott's theory of the good enough mother and to contextualize talking about some of the guilt is to say that we're not failing our children by not making them our everything. It's actually really important for their development and for our own that they're not our everything. And there's this painful, I think, recognition that all of us as mothers have and as parents have in, to some degree that we know we're ultimately raising them to be separate from us, right? Like we're raising them to be their own people, which means not us, separate from us. So I guess I, don't, I know that's a long-winded preamble into um, answering your question around guilt, but it's to say that it's actually really important. We have an understanding, a level of understanding about child development and our own development as individuals and existence as people in order to move some of the guilt. Because if we hold a belief and we really believe it, that we're damaging our child or that we're not being a good mom by not devoting our everything to our child and feeling like we need other things or desire other things, 
we're always going to feel guilty. We won't be able to break out of that guilt because we'll constantly feel like we're not doing good enough. So if we can start to open our understanding and perspective and say, actually, me starting a podcast, me writing a book, me going back to work, we know mothering's work as well, but me going back to my career or me focusing on things outside my mothering, that's not taking away from my daughter. That's adding to her. That's allowing her to see me, her mother, as a full and dynamic and complex human being. And ultimately that's my job is to set up for her a model of what it looks like to be a human being. And that is not perfect. That's a human being that's multifaceted. So I think something you said as well that just really hits it home because every person says it, Every it seems to be every person says it, is cherish every moment. It goes so fast, cherish every moment. So on the days that I have been up 50 times in the night and Polly's being very, very demanding and non-stop into everything and I'm kind of, you know, gets to the evening and I'm counting down the minutes until she goes to bed. I feel awful because I feel like, well, I've just kind of wished that day away and I didn't cherish every moment. And what kind of mother does that make me? It makes you a normal mother. <laughs> um, so the, the if we just remove the dialogue of cherish every moment, it actually will allow you to cherish more moments. Because whenever we're placing pressure and expectation on ourselves, it's kind of like a, a pressure cooker and you're just creating weight and heaviness. And so the more weight and heaviness we have, the less we can actually breathe into the moments of presence and of joy. So oftentimes I frame any comments that you receive around cherish every moment or you know just enjoy them while they're this young, it goes by so fast. My perception of that is that pretty much all of those comments have nothing to do with us. Almost all of those comments have to do with one of two things, either that speaker's own sharing of regret and value that they place on different parts of their own life and memory, or it is a perpetuation of the perfect mother myth playing out in a cultural context of, well, you're a mother, you should be enjoying every moment. Let me remind you that this is your job. You should be soaking this up because you're a bad mum if you don't. So pretty much all of those comments, if we frame them actually within this broader cultural context of motherhood, it dials down the impact of them on us. They kind of can just wash off us a little easier because we know that's ultimately not actually about us. And that if we would try to cherish every moment with our children, that actually creates a level of pressure and anxiety and stress that robs us of that experience rather than helps to enrich our experience of being with them. So I think, again, in the context of guilt, guilt is a function of how the perfect mother myth and patriarchal motherhood keeps going. So if you if you have this experience of having your baby and then she's nine months old and you're wanting to start a podcast and you're thinking, actually, I do want to explore these other aspects of my life outside of my role of mother, and you didn't feel a level of guilt over that, it would mean actually that the rules of patriarchal motherhood, the rules of our culture, they're not touching you. They're not impacting you. And I mean, I want that experience for more mothers and that's why I'm doing this work. But guilt is how the guards of the rules of patriarchal motherhood keep their grasp on you because we police ourselves. It's a way of shooting ourselves and saying, I'm not doing a good enough job. Even when we're just here and it's just us, no one's around us making any comments, judging us. We're doing that to ourselves. I find it even around when she's with her dad as well. He works full time and then he's an excellent father when he can be. But then when he's with her, I feel a 
a sense of I need to hurry to get back to her because I don't know whether it's something ingrained in me that all the people that say like daddy daycare when he's her actual parent we both made her I don't know whether anyone listening can relate to that but I sometimes feel like I need to hurry take her back to me yeah so part of the perfect mother myth it's linked to intensive mothering ideology and so that's a theory that's by Sharon Hayes and she wrote about it in a book the cultural contradictions of motherhood and in it it sets out all of the kind of the parameters for how you should mother and first and foremost is is that the mother should be the primary caregiver who mothers 24 7 who mothers intensively whose mothering is financially consuming she pours all her money into her children she doesn't spend money on herself in other words it is time consuming she spends all and devotes all her time to her child and is not part of labor and not part of her contribution to our economic or political life so we depoliticize motherhood so I guess what I'm saying is part of what you're sharing there is again another reflection of how you've internalized the rules of idealized motherhood that it's your job to be mothering your child and the other parent think of the when we use the words you've fathered the child you've mothered the child so think about them as verbs how are they what do they mean when we say you're mothering the child you're caring for the child you're tending to the child you're looking after the child oh you fathered the child DNA, biology. Yeah. So thinking about, again, all of this is bound up in our expectations of what it means to be a mother. So it's a process of unpacking them. And we could write out some exercise that I encourage people to do is to write out a list of all of the things you think make up a perfect mother, all of the things that you think make a good mum, and keep writing until you've got at least 20 things on your list. And then you go through every single one of those things on the list and you ask yourselves two things. And sometimes you need to do this with the support of a professional. But one, is this true? Is this evidence-based? So, you know, I have to be my child's primary carer 24-7 or else I'm emotionally damaging her, right? But no, okay, not true. So we can go through and say, well, is this true? Is this evidence-based? Is the first question. And the second question being, do I believe it? Do I actually value this? Is do I actually think this or have have I kind of just perpetuated yeah. this without even fully realizing and I don't even agree with it? So it's this process actually of unpacking and knowing that we've all lived within our culture, you know, before we've become a mother you know, 20, 30, 40 years. And so it's not like we can just click our fingers and overnight we can change it. But there is hope for us to be able to start vocalizing this, learn about the social construction of motherhood and start unpicking the layers of it from within ourselves first. And then we start seeing it all around us that we can start to reclaim our motherhood and those experiences that you're describing of the guilt and feeling that pressure that they can go and ease after some time. I think they are starting to ease a little bit just as she's getting a bit older, especially now she's eating solid food because I, I am still breastfeeding and I don't feel like I have to be there all of the time but it's certainly something that's going to take time yeah time and just allowing you know one step at a time and knowing that you know you're inviting more possibility into your life into her life into others lives in order to be engaged in caretaking tasks, you know, whatever that looks like and really connecting back with what do you want? What do you want? What do you desire? What is enjoyable for you? What do you aspire to? What's working for you? What isn't? Because this can look different for lots of different people. There is a lot of people who will say to me, people want to help me with the baby and they come and they want to hold the baby and look after the baby. And I don't want them to look after the baby. Like I want to be with the baby. I want, I want you to take the bins out and who yeah. That's right. That's right. So, you know, it, it's all contextual, but really coming back to what are the rules that I'm imposing on myself here and how are they working for me? 
when I was doing a little bit of research for this episode, I came across a phrase that you'd written, which was mother as woman. And I just, I, I just really like that. I, just, I don't know whether you can expand on that for me about what that means. Yeah. So I say that in a way to make a distinction between the individual and the role of mother. So going back to that fish tank analogy, you have the tank, which is the structure, the society, the fish, the individual mother, and then the swimming, which is the mother in. And so the individual mother, we can talk about her as the individual person or as a social role. So when I say woman as mother, it's a way for me to try and remind ourselves that actually mother is a role. It is an identity. It is a label. For some of us, we will fully encompass and identify with that. Others won't. And lots of us have a mix of the two, but it's to say, let's open up a definition of what it means to be a mother and say that we're allowed to exist beyond our role as a mother and that that can be also part of what it means to be a mother. So it's kind of just injecting more nuance and complexity into the label. I think we all need a bit of nuance, don't we? So obviously the work that you are focusing on like modern modern motherhood and mentioned emotional labor as well. And I just wonder what, what needs to change? How do you think things need to change for us to kind of get rid of these guards, these patriarchal guards? Lots of things. I suppose I'll just signpost to a few. The first thing I believe is that in order for us to be valued socially, we first need to value ourselves. So I would like to answer this question by saying we need a whole bunch of cultural change which starts on the outside of that tank and works its way in. And we need changes in our systems and structures. We need more mothers and women in positions of leadership and power, of economic power, of political power, of organisational power. We need more diversity in the voices that are heard around what it means to be a mother, what it means to be a woman, what it means to raise children. So we, we need a whole heap of structural changes ultimately in order for us to change the guard tower of patriarchal motherhood that's on our back as individuals. But I think a place for us to start with and where I am start with a lot of my work is with the individual mother, to have conversations like this and to open up spaces like this, to be able to have these types of conversations around, well, how are you experiencing this? And what does motherhood look like for you? And, oh, what did you expect it to be like? And what's it like now? Um, and opening opportunity for more health professionals, people who support mothers to be able to be equipped with these types of sociological understandings to support mothers to navigate these sorts of inquiries for us individually to be able to start to reclaim ourselves within our motherhood, to start to push back against some of the rules that we're given around what it means to be a good mother. And I talk about it as, you know, liberate your motherhood from the patriarchal motherhood that we're living within. Um, So that's one starting place. And I hope that the more of us um, that do this work and the more spaces that we open for these sorts of conversations, um, the more that I can kind of get these understandings out into different fields of professionals working with mothers, we can start to kind of chip away at that tank and create some system and structural changes. But I guess I want to kind of add an asterisk there too, just to say that changing the patriarchal institution of motherhood involves lots of other system changes. So the system of motherhood is kind of interlocking with systems of racial oppression, with, you know, broader systems of sexism and misogyny, of of all different types of oppression and marginalisation. So in order for us to talk about liberating mothers, we need to actually talk about broader social justice movements as well. So it's a really big Um, It's a big hope, it's a big project, it's a big aim, but together I think, you know, in our individual lives we can chip away and make some changes that hopefully contribute to collective change as well. 
thank you so much for coming on to you still. I really appreciate it. It would be great if you could let me know and listeners know where they can find you, where they can contact you if needs be. Yeah, sure. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed this conversation and for the opportunity. I am on social media, on Instagram and Facebook at Dr. Sophie Brock. My website is drsophiebrock.com. I mentioned to my podcast is The Good Enough Mother and Yeah, anyone who comes along to any of those platforms will be able to find out a bit more about my work and what I offer. Amazing. Thank you so much. It's been so lovely having you. Thank you, Ella. Wow, I really enjoyed that conversation. I'm so glad Dr. Sophie came on. I thought that was really brilliant. She's given me a lot to think about. There's just a lot of stuff that I've been kind of living with that I didn't realise has a lot of theory that she talked about behind it. You know, obviously just working backwards to kind of deconstruct who the world expects us to be. It also made me think about not just me as a mother on my own, but just thinking about mothers in in society, in like a wider societal context. I think I do that in quite a broad way when I think about things like childcare costs or the inequality of career and the the pay gap and things like that. However, this goes a lot deeper than that, I think. Obviously, it's still important to think about those things, but this is talking about what it means to be a mother in the world today. I hope that I'm going to think about my guilt a little bit differently. I hope that I'm going to be able to stop feeling so guilty all the time and kind of let Polly have that little bit of space from me where she can grow into the person that she's supposed to be without me being there all the time or even saying it just sounds crazy but I do think that giving myself the space as well might make me feel a little bit more present with her when I'm with her but it's really interesting to hear where that tension and where that guilt comes from I really hope that you found this episode interesting I'd love to hear anybody's experiences of mum guilt do you experience it do you not and let's see if we can work together and kind of free ourselves from those guilty feelings thank you so much again for joining me and dr sophie on this episode of you still i really hope to see you in the next one i'm really enjoying all the feedback it's been amazing to to hear people actually listening can you imagine people actually listening and also to hear some stories coming back i already can't wait for the next seasons because i think there's still so much to talk about i hope whatever you're doing you're having a great time and i'll catch you in the next one thank you for joining me for this episode of you still you can join the community and keep up to date with all new episodes by following at you still podcast on instagram and twitter if you want to get in touch to tell me how i'm doing suggest new guests or let me know which topics you'd like me to cover email you still podcast at gmail.com i would love to hear from you